Hello, this is the Austin Art Talk podcast. My name is Scott David Gordon, and I am here to support the artists of Austin and help you learn more about them and their work. Before we get into the interview, let me just mention that this episode is sponsored by Ivester Contemporary, a fine art gallery located at Canopy in East Austin. Kevin and the gallery is focused on connecting Austin with Texas-based artists in their two rotating exhibition spaces. Ivester Contemporary believes that the arts offer a space and opportunity to form a deeper relationship with ourselves, to our local community, and to the world. If you haven't visited the gallery yet, I would highly recommend it. I'm so impressed with all of the exhibitions and artists that Kevin chooses to have in the gallery. You should definitely check it out. 916 Springdale between Airport and 7 in East Austin. This episode's guest is B. Sean Cox, a Texas artist who is best known for his iconographic figurative western cowboy paintings on fabric. Digital lenticular work, where your shifting perspective creates movement in each piece, and his meticulously constructed dimensional collages, which transform 2D into 3D. The work is playful, adventurous, and exciting at first glance, but can be delved into deeper for a full gamut and range of thoughts and ideas. Sean grew up in West Texas, and even though his family was in ranching, he chose to leave and focus on academia, studying and practicing both architecture and law. And consistently through the decades, in his spare time, he attended many art classes, and the commitment and momentum grew until he got the attention of galleries and collectors alike. Sean is really fun to talk to, and is one of the nicest people I know. An inspiring thing about his art practice is what seems like an unwavering dedication to evolving the work and fearlessly trying new things. That keeps it fresh and fun and you never know what you're going to see next. Here's my in-depth conversation with Sean. All right, Sean, thanks for being on my podcast. Honored to be here. Thanks for coming to... <laughs> a crazy house with a crazy dog and i'm looking forward to chatting i think yeah. it'll be fun yeah i think so and yeah if anyone hears any grunting mm-hmm. it's uh we have three french bulldogs at our feet it is it is not me it is elroy <laughs> echo or pie <laughs> i will behave they're very cute i'm trying they're they are cute they do make some funny rackets though so I'm a little nervous, of course. You're nervous. Of like course. I haven't done an interview in over a year. This is my first one back after traveling. So I'm glad to yeah. break the ice. The <laughs> right. new the new frontier. Um yeah, where should we start? I think, you know, I I always do a lot of research on people and try to just get curious about what I'm seeing and reading and what it makes me think about and what I want to ask questions about. But I'll first mention that for anyone that doesn't know you, you're like one of the nicest guys i know like you're always you always seem very upbeat even when maybe things are hard you seem upbeat you seem kind of joyful you seem i don't know i just there was actually a comment someone made online in one of the profiles and they're like he's such a nice guy <laughs> I, I think i probably i mean maybe the kiss of death you know that horrible nice he was a nice guy yeah um but i do there's a childlike i guess exuberance in yeah. what i do and i try to maintain that i think it shows up in the work but i try to have kind of a positive attitude about doing stuff even if it's grin and bear it stuff yeah feels like the old whistle when you 
work kind of thing. It's like, I'm going back to the mine. Yay. I'm going to paint another cowboy. All right. This is going to be great. But it is you, um, I think it's, you can kind of teach yourself how to, um, I guess, maintain some level of um, levity. And it is also, I mean, it's a defense mechanism as well. So, yeah, yeah. So you haven't always been that way? No, no. I, I Probably people would have said when I was like in junior high and high school, I was like quiet and kind of dark. Okay. Yeah. Oh. But um, still sarcastic and funny. Yeah. So I think I'm probably, maybe I'm old enough now to be a little perceived as a little crazy. And they're like, oh, he's just a crazy old guy. That's yeah. He's doing stuff. <laughs> Whatever he's doing, he's crazy. But that's uh, lovely to hear that that's the perception. I am... Um, you know, I've heard other artists. I've been around. It's like don't show your secrets and don't. It's like come look. I enjoy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very open. Yeah. This is what I do. This is how I do it. This is who I use. Party on. Um, for me, it's not like a trade secret game. Yeah. Um, if you want to, if you want to be me, you're kind of barking up the wrong tree. You need to be you. Yeah. Exactly. But if there's some something that I do that resonates with you, and you think, oh, I could incorporate that, I think that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Kind right. of make it our own, which I think is very different from copying somebody. It's more about incorporating conceptual ideas, and then maybe. Uh, I guess you you blend it around inside yourself, and then what you create. Hello, and what you create, <laughs> and what you create becomes something new. Yeah, even if it's inspired by or looks like, or you know, it's a technique somebody else uses. I think there's a finite amount of you know twenty ways to paint. Yeah, there's only so many brush strokes that you can use. So you know, it's here you go. This is what I'm doing. There's yeah. no there's no big secrets. If you could really dissect what all our influences are throughout our whole life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be so complex. How could you ever really exactly. understand it potentially? That, that whole Venn diagram just looks like a spirograph. Yeah. It's just circles and circles and circles. Well, I think you're, I mean, most people would agree. I think that your work is usually vibrant, graphic, and playful. You just seem like a very playful person. And uh, I was watching this uh, interview you did with Kathy Savage of Print Austin a few years ago, and it seemed like, I don't know, would you consider yourself a contrarian? Because it seems like you don't really want to be limited by rules or how to do something or how someone says to use something. It seems like you just kind of do what you want and and kind of just have fun with it, right? I think that's part of it. And I there's a I grew up we were not wealthy. We were kind of poor actually and in the country and we had to make everything. So it's whatever you had is what you used to do whatever had to be done. So that's problem solving mm. through, you know, tinkering and utilizing, you know, making do with what you had. Uh, I think probably is where that's filtering through. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, I could, you know, this this is a screen printing process, but I could also pull it out and stretch it on the canvas and move forward or stick this on or do. Yeah. Utilize the the, the rules of how you are supposed to function in a as a fine artist. Um I, they're good to learn, I think, and it, there's the making sure that the piece of work will last. You know, you don't put acrylic on top of oil and thick over all of the rules. But um, from there, yeah, yeah. Instead of being, it's more like yes, let's see, and instead of no, that's not how I was told or taught. But it's just play. I mean, it, it is really play. It is play. very, very playful. And what about this? Let's give it a try. Yeah. So you're not afraid to try anything, really? No, no. 
mostly. No, uh, <laughs> not a big fan. I have learned I am not a roller coaster person. Oh, okay. Something happened at about 35. I don't know, inner vestibular, something yeah. happened. And I don't do that anymore. Okay. My, my kiddo is like, let's go on the roller coaster. And I'm like, yeah, you can do that with your mom. Yeah. Yeah. Dad's going to just stand out here and I'll munch on the churro. It'll be fine. I'm wondering, I know, I imagine there's a lot of people that may be hearing this that don't know your work at all. Maybe you could give a little description of your work and then we could kind of go back to the beginning and work our way forward. That's kind of yeah, how I usually fair. do it. That's, we'll, we'll give it a go. Um, probably the most uh, prolific body of work are... Figurative works, mostly Western-related, um, cowboy iconography on fabric, and painted in vivid colors with layers and layers of um, different patterns. And there's there's a lot of that of yeah. me. And I've shown that in a lot of places. Um, I've experimented in other things as well, in different iconography and different figurative references. But um, that's probably the bulk of my ovoir. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also have done a lot of digital work. I've been playing with lenticulars for the last couple of years and incorporating iconography in that and movement. And then the last three or four years, um, there was a divergence into collage trying to... I essentially was thinking of ways to blend and incorporate different figurative references into one and that collage reference grew into this idea of dimensionalizing it, yeah. which turned into the, the folded paper. Oh, so wow. transforming something that is normally flat into something that has some dimension and could be built upon. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of the three bodies of, yeah. of I guess, the, the balls that I'm – the art balls that I'm juggling on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So – and uh, the fun part, I guess, is trying to figure out or curate or assist in curation of cohesive looking and feeling shows with these desperate bodies of work, yeah. which is interesting. It is, it's a, it's, it's like, oh, and here's this as well. So yeah. Like, Cause you usually do kind of have mm -hmm. pieces from all your different types uh, yeah. of work that you do. Uh -huh. The galleries seem to, it's interesting with the galleries I've worked for, they, most of them tend toward one or the other bodies of work, but eventually it kind of all gets muddled and blended together. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see what happens next when I have to, yeah, <laughs> that is a giant thing. welding or something. I don't know. Uh, someone else. Well, they're actually the same person. It was just one comment. I found it was like on art profile or something. Uh, Larry Akers. <laughs> oh, he's a super nice guy. Yeah. He said, he said, Sean's an artist whose approach is adventurous and always evolving in interesting ways. It has to. Um, that's, I, I think I get bored easily. Um, I, for me, even with the painting, I'll get it 80% done. And for me, that's the resolution. It's like I know what the colors are, how it's going to work, how the pattern's going to do. And you're good. Yeah. That last push to finish and finesse. Um, there is the reward for me, though, on the very end, because that the last final finish and finesse that's not as structured, I guess, as the re rest of the painting for me is is fun. It's like, yeah. oh, but that, I don't know, whatever that 85 to 95% is kind of grueling. There yeah. was a time, I've gotten better at just, again, putting on my happy face and back to work and pushing right on through and getting them done. And I've learned that about myself. It's like, and this is when you have to push and do mm. and get these done. So, but Larry Akers is, that's a kind, kind thing to say, but it's, I think it's very accurate because I do 
I keep changing yeah. what I do. Yeah. And um, when I'll be asked to do a commission based on another one, it's hard to, I mean, even you know, in the same show, you know, could you do a certain cowboy or my grandfather in this fabric with this? It's like, well, it's going to be similar. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. Repeats are, it's like, oh, I've already done this. It's time to move on. Oh, um, yeah. For, there was an artist up in Idaho who I took some workshops with and he, he was very inspirational in this idea of little nuggets. He gave little nuggets all the time. He was very grandfatherly. His name is Robert Moore. Um, and he's kind of a, he's a regional landscape painter. He does plein air and you mm -hmm. go out in the big mountains and you paint aspen trees and yeah. freezing cold, which is fun for about an hour. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's fun for about an hour. I'm, don't like being cold like yeah. that. I'm fine in my studio. Everything's just fine where I need it. Um, but he called it pretty painting syndrome. You know, it's like don't don't get attached. Just mm. you're making, you're producing. The process is more important. Don't fixate on that pretty painting. You're just mm. it's the next. Worry about the next one. That's the process and the evolution. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's more about what the next one is going to be, or what can you learn from this and. Mm. Little games to keep things rolling. Felicia Forte, I took some dojo, a workshop with her. Hmm. She was very insightful in her own really clever way and kind of a really dry sense of humor. But she would, she suggested, even if you're painting, you know, a tin can or something super, an orb or something simple and rudimentary. Choose a challenge for yourself, even though it's not about the painting itself for you to master. So mm. this time I am going to make sure that yellow is not muddy, you know, I'm only, or I'm only going to use these two colors. So you give yourself your own challenges, even within producing a body of work. So you're not it, Henry Fording it. You're not just cranking it out. Yeah. There's something in the work that is part of that evolution as well. And while you're working, or at least while I'm working, I was, I'm thinking of other things. So it never stops. I need to turn the brain down, just mm. slow it down just yeah. a little bit. But it is for me, if I'm kind of sluggish, if I just go start working, make, make, make until it pushes through and yeah. you come on and make more. Sounds like you were kind of describing exercising. It's like, it is like, like an like, exercise. Uh, okay. I'm going to give myself these little challenges mm -hmm. or a little mental thing. Mm -hmm. A uh, goal of it's some sort. Calisthenics. And, yeah. It is. And some of the, I mean, there are the, the cowboy paintings are somewhat process driven. You know, there's the fabric. I, it stretches the fabric <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or it gets the hose, but you stretch the fabric and you have to cover it in gel medium and then you let it dry and then you grid it off and then I put the dots and I color the dots and figure out what color the dots need to be. Then I figure out how the cowboys go. But as I am, um, painting those, I start thinking of other things. It's like, well, what if these have a shadow and this and that, and how does it interact with the, all of these little pieces and parts, I think, keep it interesting. Hmm. So it's not the same painting over and over and over. So I think part of it is tricking yourself into creating problems you enjoy solving. And the other part is just doing it. Yeah. Just doing it. And you're saying there's like this last whatever 15%. That's where you said it gets exciting because then then you don't quite know how it's going to finish. Is that what you're saying? For me, I think I can visualize. Once I get at 85%, I know where, where it is. Okay, and then okay. th that last little bit where you're like, 
all the edges and making everything clean and perfect. Not my favorite part. Yeah. Yeah. It's better for me to step that, set that aside and work on something else for a while and come back. Oh yeah. Henry Ford it later. Right. It's like today's a trim day. (laughs) Today's the headlight and the rim that you you go through and, um, so you have this awareness of yourself and how you are and you're kind of tricking, figuring out how to shift to keep things moving, to shift to different things or how to like a strategy to kind of keep moving. Mm -hmm. The, the factory worker in me is trying to make it entertaining. Yeah. Because production is production. That's the other piece that, especially over the last two years, I've had to produce a lot volumes of work and the production it's work (laughs) it takes a lot of time even if you henry ford it and try to be clever and figure out ways and tinker and no matter what i'm doing it takes time to do it Mm -hmm. um at the last show my wife kate we were talking afterwards and she's like several of the artists were asking me do you have an assistant and i'm like no (laughs) she's like no he's up there doing it at all hours the day and night Mm -hmm. and i probably should or try to find somebody to help um it's hard for me to let go of it i it feels like it's mine i feel like people who resonate with the work deserve to get work i made yeah not directed and so far i've i've been able to keep up for the most part with demand so yeah. I'm not dead yet. So, but there are a lot of artists who have help. Of and- course, I don't say there's anything wrong with it. Um, it's it's hard. Yeah, to do. I gotcha. It's that's challenging for me. I don't know. Yeah. I think the idea that it's my art. I'm working alone. This is my little empire that I'm creating yeah. and manifesting. And it's like, oh yeah, except John or Sylvia or whoever really is doing all the hard heavy lifting, and you know, I'm just a director, an art director. Hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that either. It just, I know Warhol or something. Very Warhol or Coons or some of these big names. Um, I watched a documentary and Kahindi Wiley. It was like, it would seem like a line of people painting flowers and he was just putting flourishing touches on the, you know, which kudos for him. So maybe one day I will have, an assemblage of (laughs) staff to paint my polka dots. But right now it's just me. And um, my kiddo is hard now. She's like, not going to do it. Oh yeah. No, no, that's child labor. I'm cool. (laughs) Yeah. Got my own stuff. It's all good. It's all good. So So. uh, (laughs) let's go back to Monahan's. (laughs) You know, I looked at Monahan's on the, uh, (laughs) on Google maps. It's magic. And uh, I don't think I'd ever seen this on Google maps. It's like, tens of thousands of oil derricks Mm -hmm. dotting the landscape. And like, if you pull back far enough, there's just like a grid of dot of these white dots, like all around there, like for 10, who knows how many miles, thousands of them. I was like, what a, it was in a really interesting pattern. I was kind of made me curious. Like if you'd ever use that pattern in your work or not, but I Um, uh, I do know what you're talking about, especially when you're above it. And then it looks like there's white, um, yeah, everything's white lines are connecting all of them. Yeah, but like in a grid. Like yeah, they're yeah, kind yeah. of very organized yeah. in a way, but like in different angles. Yeah, and, yeah, Caliche roads, Caliche yeah. roads. So a lot of sands. There's like a sand dune that, park. It's like there a little mini Sahara. <laughs> it's at the edge of the Permian Basin. Um, when I I basically went all the way through school there from kindergarten to twelfth grade and graduated Monahan's High School and. Um, it's a teeny little oil town. Uh, when I graduated, was the end of a boom 
Hmm. And I think it was probably one of the last kind of booms in in the boom bus cycle where the littler, smaller towns out there kind of came back. Hmm. Monaghan's, it's, it's, I think all of those little towns have just dissipated. Yeah. They, you know, they become dust. Like 7,000 people. Exactly. Like it was four when I was there. Oh, so. Okay. But they used to kind of blossom out and then dissipate. So it's it very much oil price based. Oil, yeah. If the oil was expensive, people were drilling. And yeah. once the oil, once the price went down, they shut everything down. Mm. And I think what's happened at this point is the bigger small towns like Odessa and Midland have kept the business, and these little towns just they they have what they have. Yeah. So um, hello. <laughs> and it seems like. Obviously, then West Texas mm-hmm. is a huge influence in your work. Very much so. Both my parents are from um, a little town called Andrews, which was one of our high school rivals. And my people are all, even if they're dead, they're still out there. Yeah. And the family ranch is out there. And um, it's it's fascinating, especially like when you go to Marfa now. That didn't exist. So hip. It's yeah. so hip. It's so cool. And there's this edgy <laughs> undertone. Um when I was first, when I was a little bitty kiddo, my parents were finishing their masters at Sol Ross and Alpine, and they would drive to Marfa to go to the drive-in. That was their kind of yeah. Mom and dad date night. Put the yeah. put the two kids in the back seat, let us crash, and then they'd go to the drive-in movie in Marfa, which, I, as far as I know, is no longer there. Yeah, but that's what Marfa used to be. It was, and then. Clearly, Judd was doing his stuff out there, but yeah. nobody was talking about it. Right, it right. was just some weird guys out there doing stuff. Oh, let him it's just big culverts. Nobody cares. It'll it'll blow over. He bought the whole base. It's fine. Let him go. Um, and then I went to tech for undergrad and law school. So I kind of stayed out in the West of or West Texas world. Yeah. But you move up to Lubbock, it's more farming and. The Monahans area is more ranch kind of land. Yeah. Um, you go up north and it's more farms. Yeah. Different color dirts, all that good stuff. So, so you kind of knew what ranch life was like, and then you're watching all these like whatever <laughs> exactly. westerns, and you're like, ah, oh, this doesn't, this is, this this doesn't feel good. <laughs> I never quite looked like that. No, we did. We day worked. Um, dad always had cows, and um, my grandfather had a ranch. My dad ended up inheriting the family ranch, which is in Garden City there. And both my brother and I, we since we were little, we'd go. It'd be Saturday morning. It's four thirty, five o'clock. We'll get up and go day work. There's nothing less fun that I wow. can possibly think of. It's hard for me to imagine you doing that now. It is. It is. It doesn't exactly fit my <laughs> persona, um, but I did it. Yeah. I did it. There's some funny pictures, um, <laughs> like me showing steers and. Oh wow! Yeah, four H. I was a gold star boy. I did all all of. And that. you were also. A um, highest ranking student. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in I college. Gra- yes. And- yes. I graduated top of my class in architecture. It's um, It was that diversity, which was strange because I didn't really fit into the cowboy world, even though I was in the cowboy world. And then from an academic side, it's like, who's the Yahoo and Wranglers? You know, it's like, I'm not that. It's like, well, I'm here. I'm here to accept the award for, yes, highest ranking graduate. And I'll be back later because I got to go work some cattle. So yeah. it was it was, it was was an interesting kind of di- you know, 
two different worlds yeah. that, that I played in. Both my parents taught school at the time. So they were kind of in that same world as well. So hmm. the ranching side was really mostly my dad's family. But, um, I mean, that's, you know, that was weekends and Christmas. It's like, that's what we did. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, you did um, architecture and then law. Yes. And Completely were you ever insane. an architect? I was. Okay. I never uh, sat for the exam, but I there are buildings around that are oh, cool. my fault. I uh, did an internship in Los Angeles and did, I don't know if it's a technical term, but we called it mall architecture. It was back oh, in. Oh, wow. So, the little kiosk and all. Yeah. Yes. There was, if it's still around, some of the stuff in Fashion Island had has some of my flavor on it. Oh, cool. And then I also worked for a small firm in Victoria and we did schools and hospitals. So there's some schools around junior highs and oh, that, yeah. that I worked on and designed and did brick patterns. And all how did you end up being a lawyer then? I had also in my little world of not quite fitting in was in debate. So mm. um, I didn't win state, but I did go to state in debate, which I was, we got beat by Austin people. Oh, like, wow. oh my God. Austin was like competing against college kids. Okay. Just a different feel. Some our little bitty high school in West Texas. Yeah. And we'd come to state and it was like, and here's Austin. <laughs> and they're like, whoa. I think it was Westlake was at the time. Yeah. The, Dominating. Yes. So I had thought about it and the economy was not good. Um, like savings and loan bust. And I'm like, well, I'll take the LSAT and just go back. So I did. Hmm. And went back to Lubbock. It was fun because I still knew some of the the architecture people. And I could still take art classes because that's just right down the way. And then I went and kind of uneventfully did law school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just got jumped on by my dog. Yeah. He's like, hello, it's about me. It's always about me. <laughs> Poor baby. Yeah, that's one thing I was going to mention yeah. is that in one of the in one of the bios on one of the sites where your work is, you mentioned something about doing art for 30 years. It seems like you've been doing this kind of like long, patient, persistent art in the background classes Definitely. all along. Definitely. Right? It always happened. Um, I did all the coursework when in architecture to get a minor in art. Um, that was one of the neat bonuses at tech. Anyway, the art school was right beside architecture and our core covered their core. So I didn't have to take core classes. I could just go take advanced oh, nice. class, which was super fun. Yeah. So that was rolling in the back. And then in law school, I did the same thing. Um, and then when I would you know, have a job somewhere, there'd be a night class. I would take that, uh, workshops. I would, you know, painting workshops. I would go do painting workshops and there'd be, you know, I have, I'd go through periods where I would have a room set up and paint for a bit and in and out and in and out. Um, showing it to anybody, anybody know about it or the stuff I did in undergrad was ceramic work. So hmm. I was doing hand-built ceramics and there was a little gallery in Lubbock that showed and sold it. So somewhere out there, if they're not broken, oh, <laughs> or yeah. oddly quirky, very eighties ceramics. Okay. <laughs> they're there. Um, but not really showing occasionally, you know, entering a watercolor contest or okay. gifts for families, but nothing really serious. Hmm. Um, wasn't until I went through several, you know, I worked in a law firm, a little law firm in Lubbock, um, housing company in 
Arlington, uh, got recruited to do telecom, put me in Houston, and that hooked me up to the Glassell School of Art. Mm. And that was kind of where I took more college-level, more serious classes. I think at the time, the night classes counted for college credit. Not that I needed it, but you could take college-level credit classes. And it was affiliated with the Museum of Art in Houston and some great professors. Wow. So that was my, you know, chill out at night and take those classes, which were also very stressful. Oh. (laughs) Because they were hard. It was like you had to really, you know, it was like a graduate level. Everyone else was serious. Everyone was serious. (laughs) Like, these are college students. And um, I am competitive and I want my A. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to do it. (laughs) I'm going to do the seven (laughs) paintings that are at least this size and these many colors. But it was a really great way to get a taste of real art school. Because it's a neat, neat, neat school. So my wife and I met there. And then we met, moved here. Uh, it was for her job and that's when we had our kiddo. So at that time we were doing, both of us were doing stuff at Glacelle. Her gifts to me would usually be like a a workshop. So like I took workshops with Jennifer and and those kind of things and Laguna glory. I took classes at Laguna glory or workshops, weekend stuff. And that's how the education kind of blended art education but very informal. It was yeah. hither and here and here and here. But why? Why I all just, those oh, years I just of kept, art? I just kept doing it. I always would make or create. And I was had my I had my job job, and then I would do I would either be making or creating or renovating a house. It was. I think I'm insane. <laughs> I, like, I don't have enough to do. Um, but that's the, that's me. I'm yeah. constantly, I was, and I look back and I'm like, good God. Yes, I did. I flipped three or four houses while I was. Working. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's You're so ambitious. It, nuttiness. <laughs> and I, a, a piece of it, I think is the, it's those little process and learning. It's like, Oh, this is how you strip wallpaper. And this is yeah. how you lay tile. And um, I want to learn all that stuff. It's too. fantastic. I know you did your roundabout and, like woodworking and all yeah. these things it's like oh no it's like you break a seal and it's like now i need to know all this stuff yeah yeah and it's that way with these techniques you know it's like oh now i know i can do this and i can try that well i have a big printer so i can do this and try all yeah. these different new um see where it where the media and the materials take you beyond i guess your skill level in a way so it kind of um it just puts your skills you try to apply your skills to a new um medium i mean it seems like though now you have a very kind of clear intention around your work and there's kind of a lot of a lot that you've said about why you do the work that you do i mean was that is that a more recent thing i mean why were you doing work all these years in these classes like was that did you see yourself always as an artist or i mean i was i was always crafting or making i was always making and creating yeah even even in my law school notes there's scribbles all down the page okay i was no matter what i was i was always adding flourishes and ideas and yeah so you always had something to say. You've been yeah, wanting to say something. I guess so. And finally, it, it's time, I guess. I don't know. Maybe mm. you get old enough. It's, you know, <laughs> like your fear drops around. <laughs> yes. No. Um, but we we were here and we call it the nanny apocalypse. And we laugh about it. It wasn't the most pleasant thing. But we had a situation with um, 
a nanny who we had to part ways and we became a nanny free zone is how okay. we, quote unquote nanny free zone and the garage apartment became my studio. So yeah. that was kind of a cathartic. We are done with this. And Isabel was, I don't know. She was still kindergarten or second grade, second or third grade. She was little and I was mom, dad. I became the nanny dad and I guess that's a dad job, but full-time dad job. And then as she got older it gave me time to start exploring these things. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember one of them was like, let's do East and West and see how it goes. Yeah. And just slowly. I remember coming to one of those yes, years ago. I'm, indeed. Before, we only had one dog at the time. Yeah. <laughs> one crazy snorty dog. Um, but that just kept growing. Okay. And it seemed like things were falling into place where – the work was getting noticed. I got a billboard. Little things yeah. started happening. And I, I, I was producing more. I was working more. I was more um, intentional about what I was working on. And I got the show at the Doherty. And in my head, I had this idea. I was like, okay, so this will be something I can show. It's like I have a – it's a real solo show. It will be a cohesive body of work. I will produce – the show and then I can market it and hopefully I can get some representation, get yeah. a little traction and move. And that was all fine and good. And COVID hit. Yeah. So right. kiddos back home is sixth grade. <laughs> we ended up switching schools, all kinds of yeah. ancillary drama. And, um, I essentially vicariously took sixth grade again. And, um, it's been a while. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. been a while. I was like, Oh, algebra early algebra Ooh, this yeah. is hard. <laughs> but um we made it through and that i think was probably a point where while i was marinating on the show that didn't occur it just kept getting postponed i kept producing work and evolving that singular idea mm-hmm. you know it's like i came up with a concept an idea and some philosophy behind a show the westward the foe. westward foe was yeah. pulling you know this this idea of why am i utilizing these figures and what meaning is there and these kinds of these kinds of things manifest manifest the the whole stuff there was all that was going on and politically it was what it was um but it all was like the perfect storm to create i guess inspiration and a large enough body of work where it's like oh i can actually do this yeah and instead of just east and west and you know commission here and there and all of that's great it just slowly started building accordingly mm. and during that year and a half two years things just started like falling in my lap mm-hmm. and i would love to say i have the five easy steps to meet a gallery yeah and they are that because i would already be on the internet selling them because <laughs> yeah right but it's they Every single gallery came to me uh, that I am in, which blows my mind. Yeah. Um, and it was all, it was generally little small connections. Uh, Commerce had come by my studio at one time before COVID. They had rearranged their schedule and they're like, hey, could you show here? Well, I happen to have all of <laughs> this cowboy right. stuff. And they're like, well, yes, that's great. You can, and, that ended up, I think that was May before that November when I had okay. Westward Foe. And they're like, hey, just show what you can. You know, we need about 14 pieces. I had that more or less put together. You need to go bigger, which was okay, fine. I can go bigger, which was is all these little incremental challenges mm. that built, I guess, the machine that I could put, give it to the world and see what they think. 
Um, so that show went phenomenally well and the work sold really well. And they're like, okay, we want you next year. And I said, well, of course, that'd be great. And then November came and I had to recreate work. And as part of recreating the work expanded as well, those ideas came, yeah. you know, it's like trying to do new things and explore new ideas in both materials and process. So the lenticular pieces came out and the duality pieces um, came together, filled that show up. That show did really well. Davis picked me up and gallery up in Fort Worth, Fort Worth's art picked me up. And then some friends of mine from architecture had purchased some pieces the cowboy pieces for their home in Santa Fe posted it on their internet and the gallery that they had bought work from saw it there and contacted me. And that's how I got work in evoke. Yeah. So it just, and um, then other, some of them have just been cold calls, which are totally blows my mind. Houston was a cold call and Jackson hole was a cold call. You but said they, you made those calls. No, they oh. called me. Oh, okay. okay. Inst- uh, they, it's like getting a DM and you're like, Okay, this isn't real. <laughs> this isn't real. This isn't real. And it was real, which was amazing. Yeah. So um, the glass tire article that um, Carolyn Frost wrote uh, helped Fort Worth. The gallery, Fort Worth's art saw that article and were interested in that body of work. So it's all these little bitty, teeny, I don't think anybody could have planned it. Yeah. Um and you think it was just, Commerce Gallery? Was that like first, the first domino and, and then Doherty? I think so. It was like Commerce. I think Davis came before, but the shows didn't happen. Yeah, right. It was the Commerce show was the first kind of real solo, real live gallery solo show that I had. Mm-hmm. And before that, I've been in coffee houses and not that there's anything bad or wrong about it, but yeah. um, different. It was a different, it was the first commercial gallery yeah. show that I had been in. And it just, it dominoed is a fair way to put it. Yeah. And I did. I looked back this year and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I don't think I can do it again. <laughs> it's like, we got to slow this down a little bit. Yeah. How do you do that? <laughs> uh, that has been interesting. Um so, so you complete a totally different brand new body of work and put it up at Davis. I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's not a cowboy in sight and see what happens. I think that's part of how I do it is it keeps it interesting for me. It keeps it exciting for me. And, um, I think it keeps it exciting for people you know, who are kind enough to follow and be interested in whatever nonsense I'm doing you don't know what you will see. I mean, mm-hmm. it'll be a Sean show, but you don't know. It's like, you don't know until you go look at it. And I think people get excited about that. And I know the galleries like that. Yeah. I mean, they're like, okay, do you, <laughs> we want some of this, but, um, they trust you. They trust me. And that is, an, I think that's another piece. Um, I get it done. I do, the, I do what I'm supposed to do. Every once in a while I'm late, but yeah. generally I get it done and I try to give more than I try to under promise and over deliver. Mm-hmm. Certainly try. You know, you had mentioned, you know, these in one of your bios, like kind of responsibilities of the artist, you know, you're kind of like trying to capture something and then transform it through your medium. And you're trying to express something right true true so what do you what do you feel like right now i guess even just in this moment like what are you trying to express this idea i I think it's 
I think in our, especially having a kiddo in this day and age, identity and identity politics, all of these hot button issues socially today, I'm taking my upbringing, which was very standard, for want of a better term, very standard. It's like you go to school, you go to college, you do this. Of course, you ranch and do all this on the backside. But it was it was a very standardized, I did what was expected and played the role I was expected to play. Hmm. You know, it's like, you will go to college. You will make good grades. You will do this. This is what you do. This is how you function and you were happy to do that or are you I was like, kicking and fighting or I, 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 i'm profoundly compliant i yeah. <laughs> i i think that's part of whatever personality wise i want to achieve but i also will i'm compliant mm-hmm. it's like i can get that it takes you know 20 hours to get this okay i'll do it you know i think it's the I, hopefully i'm an inspired factory worker <laughs> like i'm like i can you know put the rivets in the box you know yeah. over and over and over um but every once in a while one will have a flower or something on it yeah. on the side. there's a little something special in that ribbon um but i think it's what i'm from a personal standpoint i think the the work i'm creating is exploring that standardized mythology that i think permeates our society it's not the it's it's white. It's whatever this whiteness is. I mean, I am I'm a mutt in many ways, but I'm a white dude. I'm a it's yeah. like I'm a white male over fifty. You know, it's that kind of and what does that mean in a society, in today's society, when you take that the lens of reality that we are living in and turn it back and look from where we came from. And hopefully we can learn from that kind of, uh, and I think the playfulness comes in. There's, um, there are, there are subversive elements in the work that you're like, Oh, you know, if, if you want, the work is there, the messages are there. If, and the imagery is there, if you want to see it. And if you don't, that's fine too. It's, um, I think there's enough there for people to engage with visually and I think the dialogue is there, at least in my mind, um, yeah. to have that conversation otherwise. But it's, it, I guess it's probably this <laughs> strange thing for um, a white guy to say, I'm making white work. But mm. I am making white work um, because that's, that's what I'm doing. I, I think it's also, that's what I know. I'm, I don't pretend to be anything else that I'm not. I'm goofy enough as it is <laughs> with yeah. these rancher lawyer. Um, somebody was teasing me and you're in medical school now too. No, I just married a doctor. That's fine. That's, that's <laughs> like, I just, I decided I was tired. So no. Um, but it, it is this, I guess from my standpoint, this achievement of kind of a standardized life path that when you reflect that back, especially with the iconography that our society permeates and celebrates, it's, um, it's enlightening for me and it's comical in some ways it's inspiring in some ways and then it's really sad in some ways yeah so it's the full gamut in um for me it's that um that range of thoughts and ideas so i think that's where the work is headed in more Hmm. so as i as the more i know about me and the more i explore who i am and why i am trying to be objective about that i think that transfers into the work 
So I do. It's like this. I some of this stuff says you know in the soft light of pop psychology, which I think the humor is meant to buffer the the angst and the sadness and the discovery and the you know it's like why didn't I make art when I why didn't I go to art school yeah right I'm doing just fine you know I could could I have done that I don't know there's something about I do believe we do where we are we've got everything we need where we are and it's all part of a I don't know predetermined plan but it's what I think what would I say or the saying is like we're the sum total of all our decisions that we have made at this moment. So it yeah. at least gives us some free will to manifest a different future, but you don't know what that's going to be. It's like <laughs> the butterfly effect that changes everything. Yeah. So and you're putting a critical eye towards maybe now and the past. Surely, surely, surely. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do. I generally use old imagery. I mean, I actually I always I can't think I've used any. <laughs> new imagery i use old imagery yeah and um do you think this whole glamorizing of cowboys was just to kind of cover up the kind of the old genocide of native it's, americans it's, and it's manifest huge. destiny and I all that it, it was such a big ooh. even showing movies from the 80s when i was a kid would shock the kids now like the hughes films there's the racist, they are very racist. They are very misogynistic, super, very sexist. They're crude mm-hmm. uh, by today's standards. And in the same way, music now, I think, is way rougher than <laughs> when I was younger. But um, I do agree that it was perpetuating a narrative. And the part when I read about Hollywood and and how all of these things were produced, and you also can notice it when you're watching these old movies, they're the same movie. It's yeah. warm body number seven, boom. You know, we've run John Wayne through. We're going to do another one. Madsen through. We're going to do another one. Arnett, we're going to run another one and hope you hit a hit, but it's fine. You're going to make enough money churning through Western number seven, Western number eight, Western, you know, whatever the next thing to churn, churn, churn through. And it was all the same narrative. From my perspective, that much intentional repeat wasn't, was done on purpose. Hmm. I don't think we're that oblivious. I hope yeah. we aren't. I do think it was selling a narrative and I think it happens now too, except on a really fast and divergent platform, which makes mm. it bizarre for me. Yeah. Cause you can pick your narrative now. I think, you know, it's like if I want to hate everything green, I can find my little tribe on the internet that only that hates everything green. Yeah. And back then, I guess the information was much slower. You had to wait for the radio or the news or, I mean, even music came out slowly. You had to wait for my eight track or my cassette. (laughs) I mean, when you were growing up though, was everyone else drinking the Kool-Aid and you were like, I don't know about this. There was always, I always stepped there and I was like, what is going on? I did. I was that kid that I (laughs) the, the, you know, I'm dressed like I'm supposed to. I'm at the rodeo and I'm going, what the hell is going (laughs) on? It's like, I can do it. I can rope. I can do all, you know, I have all the skills and I didn't feel it. It didn't Hmm. feel authentic at all. It it was, it very much felt like playing a role, which was fascinating, but. And do you feel like you're playing a role now? Does it feel authentic? Your life more authentic now? 
in a, I think so, in a different way, in a very different way. It's objectively, it feels much more authentic. And I think that's part of it's this type of interaction is, well, am I playing a role or am I exploring? You know, mm. is this more of an, a, a talk exploration to find out um, what is actually occurring? I would uh, hope so. That would I be much so. more interesting. It is. It is. We have just manifested reality right here. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Send 1995 to no, yeah, uh, just five easy steps. You too can manifest your reality. But it's um, I miss Ronco. I do Ronco and all those stupid. Oh yeah, just all the garbage, sea monkeys and all that stuff. Super campy garbage and spam now is not as exciting for me. So yeah, I guess I've gotten old and hopefully wiser. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. I think there's this, um, it's an ongoing process where I guess from, from a personal standpoint, I'm trying to continue creating and continue making and continue exploring and honing the ideas and what the work can do and what the work will be. I guess how the work will be um, perceived. And it's really, for me, it's easy to put it out. You know, I'll get it. I'll put it together. It feels right. I'm like, okay, we're done. Let's put the show out. I do, how to, how it will be perceived is that's the unknown, you know, yeah, how's, it, how's it going to be read? It's like, Oh my God, he painted hair this time. Dummy. I wanted a cowboy. You know, you don't know. Well, yeah, you don't know. You're that's like, why okay, I here suspect you go. some artists don't, change that much i don't know mm-hmm. i mean there's no judgment but no no i i maybe i i'm not that I mean, when you're just trying to make a living it's like it's probably hard. hard to just make take a lot of risks i think so i, I mean think. does then your previous careers afford you a lot of flexibility now to not have to rely on your art to live yes to some extent yes although oddly the last two years i have made more yeah as an artist than i did as an attorney, which gives that puts, I mean, if you put it in a financial perspective, you're looking at yourself going, why did I draft corporate documents? <laughs> yeah. Why did I do that when I could have been painting? Yeah. You know, it's, um, and maybe I couldn't have back then. I needed to go through whatever process to get to where I'm at. But, um, the business of art and making it a profession is, I, I think it's all tied into that identity. You know, like, like, um, it took a long time. I think my kiddo is the one that outed me as an artist. You know, I was like, what does your dad do? You know, I, I was used to saying I'm a lawyer and she told, I think we were, we were interviewing for middle school and she's like, Oh, my dad's an artist. That's what he, he just, he paints stuff. And you're like, oh, I guess. And then you, it's <laughs> the identity of that makes, um, I think that's a piece of it that you want to, or at least for me, labeling it, you want to perpetuate it, or I feel like I own it more. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it's like a, a, a career transformation. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, he is an artist. I do this professionally. I, yeah, if I yeah. don't paint, I don't get money. So if, yeah, don't, if, right. if you don't get your painting, I don't get paid. So it's also very different. It's somewhat like commissioning or not commission contract legal work where, you know, you do this for X amount, but um, it's elusive. You know, it's like, I want this thing about this. That's 
I don't know if commissions yeah. are a whole different ball of wax, but there is this entire business based on making money with art. Yeah. So it can be done. It can be done. I don't know how long it can be done. <laughs> I, I mean, what is it? Well, I wonder what it's like being in it now, like thinking of being yeah. an artist mm-hmm. and interacting with other artists. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you, how do you think now about the life of an artist and or the lives of artists around you? Like the things they struggle with, sure. you know, like how do you, how do you think about that? It, this probably is not answering the question, but I think it will get it, get kind of to that concept. I feel like this oddball that got dumped into a lot of these art circles. Yeah. It's like, you know, he's, Oh yeah. He's the lawyer. He used to, he paints, he does East and West. He sells. Okay. He's fine. They're good paintings, whatever. You know, I, I was that guy. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I was that guy. I may still be that guy, but I'm now in galleries doing, you know, selling well and in organizations and, you know, people are asking about me and I'm having articles written and it's, it does. I feel like I landed from another planet. I've always been, I've always been playing the game. I've been doing the work. I've been making the art. I've been studying. I've been producing, constantly produce, making more evolving, changing, exploring, trying new things. Um, I think in some ways, from an outside perspective, it's like he came from nowhere. Where did mm. he come from? And it's like, I've always been here. <laughs> it's always, that's like the classic actor story. It it's is. Like it's like, Oh, they found me. And they've been like acting for 20 exactly. years. And that's kind of knew. what it feels like. You know? It does. And I don't know how long it lasts or what it does, but that piece is bizarre. I mean, the last group show we were at Davis and I didn't know most of they're stable of artists. I, I mean, they've got very seasoned. They've been around yeah. a, a group of artists that and they're like, well, of course, you know. So, and I'm like, I've never met them. Yeah. Never met them in my life. I, I love their work. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's like, this is my show. So that piece is interesting. It's, yeah. it's, it's, I do. I feel like that the alien, <laughs> The old Western cowboy alien that landed on a new planet and in trying to make, I guess, celebrate what I'm doing and fit in these new organizations and social groups. Yeah. And one of the most amazing things are people who will reach out and, you know, just say, Hey, I saw your work. You're really cool. And, and, you know, tell me how you did what you did. And those kind of connections are really, it's, it's very empowering for me. I can, I can, again, cause I'll, I'll tell you whatever you want to know. There's no magic five points. It's yeah. <laughs> just go paint whatever you want to paint and keep evolving and changing and yeah yeah that kind of that kind of makes me think of i mean maybe you just answered it's like what what would you say to artists that you know or maybe they're struggling or maybe they don't know quite where they are in their career like what would you say to what what kind of encouraging words would you have (laughs) potentially (laughs) Ah, run run for your life it's only going downhill no um that's the classic it attitude, is, though, isn't it? Is, it, it, is, it is, it like is, it is. It's like, this is the, kind this of is, like, oh, it's so it's such a hard life. It's I mean, so not, it is. It is, it is. I have... I, but I you have to do it, right? I mean, I don't some really, people have to do it. I don't ever want to do anything else. Yeah. Any other thing I do, I want to come back to this. So this is, if this becomes the side job, it's like, then I have this job, too. But um, this idea that, I guess from a global perspective, make the art 
that you want to see in the world. So I think that forces me or a person objectively to look at themselves because if you're creating what you want to see, it's a unique vision and it's also, it's true to you. Mm-hmm. It's something that only you could really create. And I think that's probably the ultimate goal is, you know, make the work you want to see in the world and know what you want to say. Yeah. I guess. And the, the, it all comes out even if you haven't, you know, formulated your, that, yeah. formulated mm-hmm. your proposal for yeah. the blah, 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 or the Whitney B and Ollie or you know, whatever it is. Um, or you become the cowboy guy or whatever label, um, people put on you or gets thrown around. So I do, I think that is the key. Make the work that you want to say, keep making work. What was the one other fascinating thing? Um, we watched my wife and I went and watched the, uh, Lance Lesher documentary several years ago. Yeah. I I saw that at the library. Yeah. Yeah. No, it wasn't. No, you weren't there. Okay. We saw it at a church. Okay. I saw it at the library. Well, you were cooler than I did. The library is way cooler. Um, but it was fascinating. A bunch of psychologists, young, young society was there asking him questions Mm. and he was up there with his wife and the producer. They were asking about blocks, you know, it's like, how do you, you know, how do you, he's like, um, I don't. He's like, there's no such thing for me as a block. I just work. That piece kind of resonated in that if I don't feel like painting, I fold. If I don't feel like folding, I can stretch canvas. Or you get on your computer. Or get on the computer. I search for the images or try to find things and or try to blend stuff together. Just do it. And if you're tired, rest. It's one of those weird things. Yeah. I think we manifest what we can do in the time and in the place and in the manner we're supposed to. I mean, it all comes together like it's supposed to. It's just our impatience that makes it so painful (laughs) because you want it now. You know, it's like five years ago, all I wanted, you know, was just one piece in a gallery that somebody would notice and somebody would buy. You know, now I'm worried about filling, you know, the next show. It's a different, you know, it's all perception based. And I guess... What's the other thing? I read a book about happiness and this idea that true happiness comes from solving the problems that you really want to solve. So that some that are close to your heart or some that are close to your soul or something that resonates with you particularly, but that type of solving problems will manifest happiness. Yeah. And I think art in that way, you know, you find those fractions or those pieces of the media or the medium that, or these ideas that do that for you. They mm. give you joy. And well, joy, I, I think joy is the word. Joy is I was, the, I, I actually had heard something recently. Yeah. Someone was talking about the difference between happiness and joy and mm-hmm. happiness. They were saying was more of a, like an app in uh, for yourself. Yeah. And joy is in relation to others. So that's, that's a, maybe a more interesting I like endeavor. That. Yes. Cause yes. I really do feel like, I mean, that's one of the reasons I moved back to Austin because of the people and it's like relationships mm-hmm. and people and mm-hmm. collaborating and being out with people and having meals with them. That's uh, to me, that's joyful. That's yes. the, really the joyful thing. It's yes. not, I can be happy by myself, but I think the joy, <laughs> uh, it's a whole different story. I think there's different another podcast. level of joy. That <laughs> no, comes I think from so. I think people. the joy is, um, the community piece of it makes magic. And I do believe 
integrating and the art community here is it's fascinating it's, it seems it's a little less underground than it used to be you know yeah. it used to used to it's more visible and it's accessible and there's there's great people out there yeah really really great people that's why i came here (laughs) that's why i came back because this is an awesome city it's a neat neat city and it's underrated i mean that's it people don't don't think about austin as an art city Mm. and i don't think so yeah yeah right i mean like houston or dallas exactly exactly and there's plenty of great art here damn it (laughs) there's a lot of amazing artists Mm -hmm. i'm very excited Mm -hmm. to be here i'm Yes. And I would hope that everyone would maybe feel this enthusiasm I have coming back here after being gone for a year and a half, getting some perspective coming back. Yeah. It's like, I feel like there's so much potential here. I just feel like if you can figure out how to do something, you could probably make it happen here. Mm-hmm. You could realize some kind of dream or some kind of work or, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of resources and potential and uh, yeah, it's I, exciting. I think, I think you're right. I think you're very much right that there are... This is, it's like a, I don't know, a catalyst for all the city itself and the, like, there's a critical mass here of what is needed to really create something amazing. Yeah. And all the pieces are there. I just, I don't know. I don't know what we need to poke in there to, (laughs) to fertilize this bad boy, but I think it's growing. I do. I feel like the city and the art scene is growing and becoming something. It's becoming something else. It's definitely, definitely a different place than it was. I mean, when we moved here 14 years ago, 15 years ago, kind of amazing. It was seven Seven years ago, I did like my first East or West. You know, it's oh, like, yeah. well, the garage door open, and here's my ten paintings I did at Laguna Gloria. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> this was stuff. That's cool. That's cool. It was That's fun. Start. Again, very accessible. You know, yeah. these little programs are they're there. I think that is the hardest part is jumping from those little baby steps. You know, what about Bob? That movie is like baby steps down the hall, baby yeah. steps down the stairs, baby steps. And all of a sudden you're at a different place. Baby steps kind of suck when you're in your mind comparing yeah. and seeing and trying to look objectively at the rest of the world. It's like, oh my God. That objectivity, I think, is is the hardest piece of mastering, or not even mastering, just dealing with in the human psyche because if we can objectively look at most things i think we can solve a lot of our problems and eliminate a lot of angst but once we get once we get skewed in any perception or any idea that's outside of an objective viewpoint it's a rabbit hole you just go farther and farther down so that was not very pleasant or joyful <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that no, just took us down yeah, i think it's a good thing though i mean what you're saying it's mm-hmm. just makes me think about being able to detach right in a situation and i i've been thinking about this a lot it's like i'll think about something kind of disturbing and then it'll just like for some reason my mon- mind just kind of starts categorizing all the other disturbing it things does. in my life and it, it just piles on and it's, it's like, like as I'm standing the worst there, day ever. It's like the sun's up. Everything's fine. I know, but you, yeah, degrees. that's what I'm saying. Like yes. you can just literally stand there and say, okay, I'm safe. I'm upright. I'm breathing. The sun's shining. I'm okay. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like exactly. it's like your mind, it just goes off. It's, it it's, does. Uh, it's a it's, scary place to play. You have to keep pulling it. You do. It Come on back in and let's look at reality. Objective <laughs> reality. Sean, focus. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, 
clueless. Yeah, it's thing. just mental exercises of kind mm-hmm. of being aware of yourself. Yeah, yeah. I think awareness is the ultimate I think so. thing. <laughs> like the more aware you are, the more choices you can make about how you think, what you do. You made me think of a, there was a, a lawyer I used to work for in the home building company. His brother, Eben Parison, I think is his name, had a, a little ditty and it was... <laughs> I got my shit together. I keep it in a box. And when it gets excited, I'll take it out on walks. And that, you know, for me, that matter, it's like, here's my little box. That's all I got to worry about. Yeah. And that helps pr- give me some perspective to what about this? What about this? What all this could go wrong? All this could happen, but it's, it's all right here. We're okay. Yeah. We are all going to be okay. Maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a good place to end. I think it's Unless you have good. anything no, else you like want to say. I think that's pretty pretty okay. accurate and i think it is we're all gonna be okay maybe right <laughs> or not uh plug whatever you want to plug maybe oh, okay. right now i mean i usually leave this for the end because it won't stay green very long yeah but like, if someone hears this in yeah. time like what uh, sure sure um commerce gallery in june okay and then i have a show in lubbock in september mm. so i'm gonna bring back westward foe and go westward foe bot Dear. Oh, nice. <laughs> so we'll see. Going back to the homeland. Indeed. Indeed. Going back to the homeland and then taking the spin from what I've done for the last, I guess, three years now. Yeah. Uh, relook at that um, concept in Lubbock, yeah. Yeah. which is cool. funny going back to my birthplace. Yeah. And take a look from there. Um, that's all that's planned on the agenda. Okay. Appreciate it. Cool. Thank you so much. Hi. It's been an honor. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Thank all you, right. sir. Bye. Hey, it's Scott. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so appreciative of your time, investment, and listening to these conversations that I have with these amazing people. I'm very grateful for you. And if you want to learn more about me and the podcast, just check out scottdavidgordon.com. Take care. Thanks. Thanks.